It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest very shortly. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be great. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I tend to do this every single week. I've started doing videos on Facebook recently, and I've discovered that this is a lot of fun. When you do something consistently three to five times a week, you begin to attract a following of people who look forward to what you're doing, especially if they like your content. I call it the Success Profiles Minute, and you can find it on my Facebook page if you ever want to check it out. One recent installment of the Success Profiles Minute had to do with three of the greatest lessons I've learned from people who have been on my show. If you get to listen on a regular basis, you know these three things do come up a lot, and they are, number one, never give up, number two, take action quickly, and number three, have higher standards than everyone else. If you do these three things, your path to success will be a lot faster because the average person doesn't adhere to any of these things for very long. I promise you will not regret it. So with all that in mind, I would like to introduce my guest. And before I forget, let me tell you that you can download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes for free. Uh, A subscription and download and a review would be really fantastic if you have a chance to do that. It would really mean a lot for the rankings for the show. Let me tell you about my guest. His name is David Breyer. David is a branding expert, which means he helps companies be understood faster and rise above the noise out there instead of adding to it. As the creative director for DBD International, David has been featured in Adweek, Forbes, Huffington Post, Business Insider, and Fast Company. Ranked number three worldwide on clout for branding, along with being in the top 5% of presenters on SlideShare with over 870,000 views worldwide for his presentations on branding, influence, rebranding, brand strategy, and entrepreneurship. David is also the recipient of the Presidential Ambassador for Global Entrepreneur Medallion, presented to David by Shark Tank star and New York Times bestseller Damon John, who stated, David Breyer is brilliant with branding. How's that for an endorsement? That is absolutely amazing. We will talk about all of this and so much more on today's show. And with that in mind, here is my extremely special guest, David Breyer. David, how are you today? Oh, I am awesome. I really appreciate your uh, including me in your fabulous show. And uh, what a fabulous introduction. Now I got to live up to all that. A lot of pressure, man. Oh, you can do it. I know you can. (laughs) So here's the first thing, David, that I ask everyone. Tell us about your background, your backstory. How did you get started? What did you learn and overcome along the way? And what brought you to where you are now? Take that wherever you'd like. Okay. Well, to give a good snapshot, I'm a native New Yorker. I'm a Brooklyn, Brooklyn kid. And so grew up in Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island, and Manhattan. Um, I have been involved in art and design my whole life. And so I was painting. I, 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 when I was in my teens, I was doing very large paintings. I loved the works of the masters, um, large oil paintings. And so 
that was really kind of what happened. But it was in my last semester of community college before I went to school of visual arts in Manhattan that I saw a publication uh, because, you know, we, my family, we would always, every Sunday, we would go to Greenwich Village and we'd go to the art, we'd go to the art um, show and, and all around Washington Square Park. I mean, so that was so much a part of my orientation. And I loved the feel and the nuances and the magic that art and aesthetics seem to bring into people's lives. And that was really, that was the foundation. And from that, I ended up choosing not to be an illustrator, which is what I was focusing on. But I shifted. I said, you know, I saw something that somebody had done that showed me the incredible potential when you use all of the bits and pieces of um, everything having to do with what you and I see, read, and look at, whether it's an album cover or a magazine or a package. I was so impressed. And that was literally the shifting point when I went from I'm going to be an illustrator to I'm going to be a designer. And from that, it grew into me working with all varieties of companies and helping them with their look and feel so they really stood out in the world. Wow, that's fantastic. So uh, branding came to you pretty early on in your career then. Well, at the time when I was – and just to give a context um, for your listeners – I sometimes have to share this because it's sort of like it's almost unreal, especially to younger to younger folks. I tell them when I started in the industry, there were no computers in the offices. There was no Internet. There was no social media. You actually had to do crazy things like when you actually wanted to introduce your work to somebody, you actually had to grab this thing called a portfolio. You had to physically go someplace. You had to show it to them. Of course, yeah. you had to make the appointment first. But it was a different world then. And so and so with that, you know, I had started on the design side and then I, I kept on it kept on expanding. It was kind of like a, it just kept on growing and blossoming because design oftentimes is seen as a cosmetic thing. I was like, let's make it look nicer. Let's make it look prettier. Well, that's very one dimensional because I found the things that really resonated with me. They not only, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like you can have a great lyricist. But if you have a great lyricist and a, an incredible songwriter who d writes the melody, that combination is even more special than if just the words are good or just the melody is good. So to me, similarly, I looked at, okay, what's the design, but what am I designing? What's the message behind it? So I started to look at the words. I started to look at the imagery, the color, the texture, because you can get into papers and printing techniques and all kinds of things. So I really started to look at all the ways and all of that collectively becomes really what branding is. Wow, that's great. So how did you decide to start your company? Um, I've always been uh, I've always been an independent. I, I there was only one company I was actually interested in working for and and he was actually the designer who inspired me to change from being an illustrator to being a designer uh, just because of seeing his work. It wasn't like I saw him speak or it wasn't like I uh, ever had any interaction with him. I just it literally floored me. And so I finally did get an appointment in, when, in his office in New York City and met with him. And unfortunately, he was far enough along in life. He was, he was older enough that his, his, he was starting to get a little more frail. And unfortunately, he was ready to give me a job. And after seeing my portfolio, because actually, here's, here's the interesting thing you'll appreciate. I, people said, don't be discouraged if he doesn't say anything because he doesn't he, he didn't talk very much when you actually met with him. But if he but the what they said was his tell was this. If he pauses or clears his throat when he's looking at a page, 
that's about the highest compliment you could ever get from him. And he did wow. that once or twice. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So have you always been entrepreneurial? Yep. Always. Well, and your family environment was very supportive of that? Because sometimes uh, I talk to people who this is the exact opposite path that their family preached. Was that supportive for you or was that the opposite? Um, I think that I was rebellious enough and probably, probably, uh, you know, so hard headed about it that and I was I would guess I was always encouraged. I was always encouraged and, and supported in terms of my art. And it never there there wasn't a discussion of okay it's very nice that you're doing uh, there wasn't a division between oh it's nice that you're doing art now what are you going to do for a living there wasn't that sort of discussion that seemed to come up so there was always an encouragement of exploring the artistic side and then it was sort of my own when you grow up in New York you have a strong survival instinct you're kind of like hey yeah. I can I can freaking make it go any way I can I yeah. I am going to somehow persevere and so that was a driving force. Yeah. Do you find this is a little philosophical, if I may? Um, do you find that art and branding is about breaking rules, or do you find that there really aren't rules at all? Um, I would say it's more. To, I'd say there are one. There are rules, but I would also say that there it's definitely about breaking rules because you can't. One thing I say to people is that you can't bore someone into into a passionate obsession of, over what you're offering them. So if you so if I if I were to tell you say hey um, I'm really excited about this and now I'm gonna now I'm gonna describe it in a number of different ways that are the same as everybody else that's boring that's not gonna get you excited and so the one thing that I say this is this is my own sort of personal philosophy is that uh, rules enable you to follow but knowledge enables you to lead because I'm never one to push say look here are the rules, follow these unthinkingly. No, I'm like, here are the rules, so you know the parameters. Now redefine them, reinvent them, you know, explore them as you need if they don't get you to where you need to go. So I, I want people to have knowledge so that they can then think with the challenges that they're faced with. Yeah, I think we've got about two or three minutes until our first break. So I want to ask you about the tagline of your company. I don't know how long or short of an answer this actually is, but you talk about helping brands define gravity and rise above the noise. That is such an interesting way of conceptualizing it. How do you make that happen? Um, well, basically, you have to find out we're, we're all surrounded by a lot of messaging, right? I mean, we're all always, you know, whatever, whether you're into whatever you're into, there's a lot of people vying for your attention and my attention. Well, my whole thing is, okay, we have, to we have to find out what's the norm because meeting, meeting the norm, meeting what's ex the expectation of people, to me, I say that that's a death sentence. You, one has to find out what's ex the expected, what's the norm, and then how do we rise above that? And by rising above that, we excite people, we get, we get their attention, they take notice, they get, in they get inspired. Wow, that's that's really great. Uh, how how do you find clients? Do you do you find like you you attract clients, or do you find that you create clients? And there's probably a difference, I would imagine. There is a difference, but at this point, I would say, I mean, cli clients find me; they, they they seek me out. It's just very it's very interesting to see today again with the incorporations, you know, the whole social media landscape. And being able to self-publish with blogs, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a good communicator, it's an incredible opportunity. If you're a bad communicator or you haven't figured out what there is to say, my whole response to social media is that it's a, the most efficient way to tell the world that you're a moron. Yeah. 
there you go. <laughs> and there's a lot of that out there. If you spend very much time on Facebook or Twitter at all, there's a lot of that going on. I certainly agree, agree with that. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest is branding expert extraordinaire David Breyer. We will continue after the break. I will ask him what branding is and how we have preconceived notions of what that is and, and uh, how you can properly accomplish branding in your company. And we'll talk about how social media has changed the industry because he did tell us beforehand uh, that there was no social media when he started. So I'd love to explore how social media has changed the, the landscape for him and for branding in general. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Are you stressed out? Because if you are, you're not alone. In fact, research shows that over 73% of all Americans report symptoms of stress, which is a key factor contributing to mental and physical illness. And that stress is usually related to work, money, or relationships. Up until now, the solution to combat the effects of stress have been delivered through pharmaceutical companies. But now there's a natural way to solve this problem without the harmful side effects. The Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement contains natural ingredients proven to reduce cortisol, also known as the stress hormone, which causes damage to our body. And unlike prescriptions, your satisfaction is guaranteed with a 100% money-back offer on all orders. In addition, a portion of all proceeds goes to PTSD research, and as a bonus, all purchases will include a free copy of the new ebook, The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is David Breyer, branding expert, one of the world's best. And David, uh, people tend to have a preconceived notion for what branding is. Maybe you can dispel the notions of what we think it is versus what it really is. And, and in your experience, how can proper branding uh, accomplish a company's goals? Totally. Okay, so so the, the, here's a couple things. First of all, a very common misconception is that branding is sort of just cosmetically making something look prettier or maybe giving it a really snazzy name, you know? And and sometimes it can get as bad as like almost like the sort of car salesman of like, oh, we don't really care, we'll, you know, we'll promise anything and we'll sort of schmaltz it all up and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so those are really, those are some common misconceptions. But here's the here's the basic thing. And what I use as an example, um, branding, if I came to you with, and I said, you know, Brian, 
here's here's two here's uh, two bottles of water. They're both sixteen ounce, and which and uh, this is one is brand A, one's brand B. But you really didn't know the difference. I mean, and neither of those companies really made a difference to isolate anything that was different between the two. You'd look, you'd look, you'd look, and you know what? If I if you were if you said what's the difference, and I said, well, I really can't tell you. Just look at them and decide. You would basically then say, well, which one's cheaper? Now, is that because you're being cheap or financially frugal? No. It's actually because we as consumers, we demand difference. Difference actually equates to value. Mm. And so and you know when it became really clear to me? In, in uh, 2010, when Steve Jobs was still alive, and he unveiled. Now, 2008, we know that they, economically everything kind of went to did wait right. the bottom the bottom fell out so right. in 2008 not, not good 2009 not good 2010 not good it was still everyone was still like pinching pennies but all of a sudden he comes out and introduces the first ipad the first ipad was just in 2010 and what happened was all of a sudden the the next weekend when all the apple stores were open and you can get an ipad there were people standing around the block for just around the block and stores around the world all of a sudden they had their 800 bucks all of a sudden, their life was incomplete yesterday when they didn't have their iPad. And that showed me the power of, of value. And so what it comes down to is four words. Branding comes down to the art of differentiation. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing something to differentiate, you can use image, you can use design, you could use the smell, the feel, the touch, the shape, the color, all of those things. If they help drive a point of difference as to why that matters, that's branding. If it fails yeah. to do that, it's not. You know, you, you mentioned differentiating, uh, which I think is a really key point. How difficult is it for companies to differentiate themselves within their industry? Well, all I can say is companies, they have, they, they have, two, they have knowledge, but the knowledge has two sides. They have incredible knowledge about their product or service generally. I mean, almost invariably. Right. But usually that's actually the, the liability. They're so close to it, they've lost all perspective. And I, I question that I oftentimes will ask a client of any sort, whether they're large or small, or they're new or old, I'll say, look, tell me why I should give a damn about your product. Right. And they, and they usually, they, they're immediately ready to answer, and they're like, and they have to stop themselves. They actually don't have an answer. And that answer will normally take 20 minutes to several weeks later before they actually resolve it. But that's the, the question. Why should I, with all the choices that you and I have, now I'm just one keyboard press away from searching the internet or going shopping somewhere. How many choices do you and I have? A lot. A lot. So why should I care about your product or service versus another? That's the $64,000 question that I always ask. Right. Do you advocate looking for social proof or using focus groups in order to help you find the differentiation between yourself and others in your industry? I, well, I, to me, oftentimes the answers are, are hiding in plain sight. You know, I mean, I, it's, I'll usually ask questions like saying, well, what time of day do you tend to sell this product the most? And all of a sudden they go, oh, well, it's between like 7 a.m. And, and, you know, 11 a.m. And what about the rest of the day? Oh, we don't sell anything. <laughs> it's like, you know, the answers are all usually there, but they haven't, they haven't put them into the right buckets of these are the relevant ones. And the rest of this is just fat that we could throw away. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I would also imagine that looking for that one thing that you are really, really, really good at and capitalizing it is is important. I mean, you take a look at companies like Nordstrom, for example, customer service is is the thing that they're known for. I mean, you, totally. you go to Nordstrom for the experience. Yes, it's more expensive, but you're getting a remarkable experience out of it. Oh, absolutely. You're being you're being catered. You're being chauffeured. You're being you're being cajoled. I mean, all of these various things you made to feel important. And then, of course, the, I mean, I remember the first time I remember when, in my early 20s when my brother uh, and my brother and I had gone to uh, Barney's in New York City. You ever, you ever shop at Barney's? I have not had that opportunity. OK, so we, we went to we went to Barney's and this was the first time I'd ever gone to Barney's. This was like a new thing. And he said, we're going to we're going to make sure you get a nice suit and stuff like that. And so he walked me around and I never experienced it. So like so, of course, they do, you know, they measure you. They do the whole bit and all this kind of stuff. The material's amazing. And then I'm escorted. Once that's done, I'm escorted to the to the person who handles the ensemble of the shirt and the tie and the combo. And it's like I didn't know that all these things went together. It was it's as educational as it was, um, you know, sort of special. But mm -hmm. that yeah, it's that kind of it's that kind of thing. You know, and at the same time, at the same time, I mean, why did Starbucks take off when Starbucks, why did they, you know, they, they basically provided an environment that you could escape to. It wasn't just the fact of their, their coffee, that it was different, it was stronger, et cetera. But it, all of a sudden you had a bubble, a little, little place, a little reprieve, whether it was from your office or wherever. And so, you know, it's what, that was their point of difference back then. And, and companies, brands, people, all of those are doing it all the time. Absolutely. So let me ask you about reputation management because I'm sure that comes up a lot in your work. Uh, mm -hmm. For those who uh, maybe are a little younger, Coca-Cola changed their formula back in the 80s and they came out with New Coke and people hated it. <laughs> and they had some fixing to do. How do you? Yeah. Th how, why do you think Coke successfully rejuvenated themselves? Well, one is they listened to their customers. I mean, it was probably the first example of, of you know, many people talk about biz business today being you have to listen to your customer and and crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. It was probably the first inadvertent form of crowd sourcing, right? To really to get mm -hmm. all that feedback. One is it unveiled a loyalty that they may not have really appreciated before, right? right? They actually got to see like, wait a second, these guys are defending our product. So, you know, so yeah, we, we botched it. We, we screwed up a little bit, but okay, well, that's an amazing amount of loyalty to have such a, an uproar, you know, a mass uproar. So that it, they, they were smart, you know, uh, Zyman, I forget uh, Zyman. There's a, uh, um, I forget his name, but the oh, no, Sergio Zyman, uh, okay. he was, he was the uh, the chief marketing officer at the time, and you know they they were smart. They were like, you know, okay, let's we're going to acknowledge it. We we botched it, and here's original Coke, and they were smart enough to respond quickly. Yeah, that is so key. And I'll tell you what, if there would have been social media during that era, it would be been interesting to see yeah. if that story would have played out any differently. Yeah, yeah, they might have been aware of their problem a lot faster. Yeah. I would say so. Absolutely. Say so. so with that being said, when we talked in the first segment, social media was not a part of your work when you started, but it certainly is now to a very high degree. How do you think social media has changed the branding industry? Well, um, well first of all, if one really has something to say, it's amazing that you basically you have a platform 24-7. 
all yes. anytime. Um, you also, and if you're engaged and if you're passionate and you're really adding value, I mean, a perfect, a great example. I mean, I was watching uh, something, a little something from a friend of mine from Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. And, and what was amazing was you know, he said something like, he goes, I don't think that people work for me. He goes, I have employees, but I consider that I work for them which was such a brilliant viewpoint. Yeah. And I think that, I think that it's like that, that if I am the social media, isn't great because I can just shovel stuff down that, down that funnel. It's, it's great because I have an opportunity to share what could be valuable and should be valuable to others. And so if I'm providing value because people, people don't mind stuff that's valuable. If I, if I offer you, if I said, Hey Brian, you know, I've got something that'll really help you, well, you know, in some facet of your life, whether it's with your career or life or I don't know, whatever. And, you know, and there's a very apparent value. You go, that sounds really interesting to me, right? It's valuable to you. You know, that's so it's just that factor of being perceptive, being yeah. aware. And uh, and it's I, I love social media because of that fact, because what it's changed is that I literally have people now who reach out new clients who will call up and say, hi, I've been following you for two years. That's not an uncommon thing. I've been following you for two years and I know you're the expert in this area and I need your help now. That is awesome. I mean, that's like, that's like the first five minutes of the conversation, them telling me that, that changes the dynamics of all the whole relationship. Absolutely. Because you know, somebody wants to work with you. So now it's a matter of qualifying them to see if they're a good fit for you. Exactly. Absolutely. That's great. So branding, of course, is so, so very important. And we've got only a couple of minutes until our next break. What do you consider to be the traits of a really exceptional brand? Um, a brand that is aware of what the ex expectation level is and always exceeds it. Like I said a little bit earlier, meeting expectations is a death sentence. If you went into a restaurant and you expected good food and you got good food, and you expected decent service, and you got decent service, and you expected a fair price, and you got a fair price, that wouldn't be a special experience, would it? It would be no. fine, but it wouldn't be special. Now, what if, uh, right. what if you got a bigger portion? What if the person anticipated made sure you got water whenever you needed it? What if the person actually asked you questions and, and had, was a great wait staff that really said, hey, by the way, have, is this your first time here? Well, well let, me, let me introduce you to what we do special, and actually engaged you, that would yeah. raise the bar. That is awesome. I really like that. That's really fantastic because I'll tell you what, in a world where people and, and companies tend to get by with what's minimal, it's refreshing to see companies that go above and beyond. And I'll tell you what, Disney is a really great example of this. I went to Disney when I was in high school and I enjoyed the experience for what it was, but I went again about four years ago and I realized there was a purpose for everything they did. It was very, very well orchestrated. And it, it was, again, trying to create a memorable experience and making the experience remarkable, just like Nordstrom. So we are coming up against our next break. My very special guest is David Ryer, and we will come right back after the break. And I'm going to ask him what mistakes people tend to make when they try to brand their companies. And for those of us who are solopreneurs, I'm going to ask him, should the brand be about you? Or should it be about your company? Because it makes a huge difference in how you approach your branding and your marketing. We'll come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will come right back. Stay with us, please.
the mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is David Breyer, and he is one of the world's leading branding experts. And so, David, I'd like to ask you, what mistakes do you see people make when they're trying to brand their companies or their products? I'm sure you have a slew of stories about that. Yes. Let me, let me, let me, let me point out some of the obvious ones. Some of the obvious ones is that, is that oh, this is probably the most prevalent one, actually, here. There's... Usually there is such a degree of, of passion and focus, like almost focus to the point of blindness where people are like, this is the most revolutionary, most amazing, innovative, this will change everything. And they're, they're, they've, they've really drunk the Kool-Aid a little bit too much. And what happens is, is they have not looked out at the landscape of, okay, who am I going to be serving and what other choices do they have? If they're going to be choosing my product over other products, they've not stepped back far enough to look. And so as a result, they get so engaged. And I've had companies come to me and say, hey, we're really excited. This is our product. And this is our name, hookity, pookity, pockety, or whatever it is. There's something really stupid. And you'd, one, you don't know how to spell it. Two, you don't know how to pronounce it. Three, what does it mean? And four, of course, the, you know, the daughter of a friend loved it. And therefore, that's the criteria for why it what got chosen. So the, it becomes an exercise in one mistake after another, after another, yeah. after another. If you have to keep explaining what you do, your branding cannot be very good. It should be self-evident, shouldn't it? It should. Well, put uh, there's two. One is it's great if it's self-evident, but if it's not self-evident, at least have it be a, what I call a dialogue opener where someone goes, that sounds really interesting. What is that? To which I, of course, my response is always, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> boom, yes. boom, boom. At least, you know, if, it, if it's not going to be self-evident, at least have it be, have an intrigue factor where you and I look at it and we go, that's awesome. I have to ask that. I mean, I, I'll give you, I'll give you, see, and, but it's also like brands can be really funny. Like I'll give you a great example. There was this restaurant 
my wife and I were in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, and a number of people say, oh, you got to go to this Italian joint. We'd never heard of it. It's a local joint. But what happened was the, the, the girl, I, I started reading the menu. The menu cracked me up because it was so much fun. The descriptions were off the hook. But the waitress came over with a T-shirt on, and it was just part of their personality. And I got a little glimpse of the T-shirt. I said, turn around. She turned around, and the, and the T-shirt says, legalize marinara. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> And I was like, what a brilliant shirt. I said, I want one of those. That's awesome. But it, it engaged me. It got me involved. I didn't know what it was, right? But that would make me go, what is that? That sounds like fun. Yeah. And if your branding can be fun, how much better is it than that? I mean, it's, it's just exactly. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. There are a lot of people out there who run businesses by themselves and don't have huge organizations. I would imagine that the vast majority of businesses out there are people working for themselves and with themselves. Should mm -hmm. the brand be about you or should it be about your company? Well, uh, the, here's the answer that I have for that. One is if you've got a really strong personality, like let's say, like let's say you take someone like a Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Gary Vaynerchuk. If, if people don't know, you look up Gary Vaynerchuk or you look up Gary V V E. And anyway, the um, you know, he's a very strong personality. If you have a personality like that, you're not going to want to bottle him up. You you, you want to leverage that as much as possible. And he does that, and he's done it great. He's got four New York Times bestselling books and millions of followers around the world. Great. Now, if you don't have that kind of personality. And, and here's a big and, and you have like a really clear, um, you know, something that really solves a particular problem with a good brand name that solves that problem. That would be the that would be the time to really push it about the brand. I'll give you a, a very specific example. There was a woman who had a startup and yes. now it could have been, this was for skincare. And she had this great, great concept for a mobile skincare line. In other words, it would be a service that would actually make the rounds to the various condominiums in, in the city where she was having this. And so you didn't have to go out. You literally just went downstairs from your condo. You went downstairs and you scheduled and they would fill up the calendar schedule for that day. And you would go down. You'd get the full top of the shelf treatment. Well, the thing is she had come up with a name. The name was kind of confusing. And it was the name was Skin Tech. Right. Which mm -hmm. at first at first I tried to make it work. And then I was like, I called her up and I said, you know, what the heck does skin tech even mean? If I know that if I went to 20 women and I said skin tech, they'd go, what is that? What does it mean? And I understood why she came up with it. But I said, we need to come up with something that's going to be more self-explanatory. And this is where it comes down to is something that's self-explanatory for a business. And and so what we came up with was this. The name of the company, the name of the brand, Skin Rehab, reclaim what's rightfully yours. Interesting. And so the thing is, when you hear skin rehab, then you know. So, I mean, so if I had a choice between skin rehab and a person, you know, skin rehab is strong because that's about the brand. That's about the value to the user. Wow. I can I can actually get my skin looking young again. I can do all that yeah. stuff. So it's kind of like you have to weigh your assets. And your brand explains what you do in that example. Exactly. And exactly. that makes it even more perfect. Absolutely. I love that. So how do you create brand loyalty? Because that's something that I think a lot of businesses are very concerned about, especially when people's uh, loyalties tend to change a lot. Consistency. Consistency and value. You have to be you, – you can't just be a one-hit wonder going, hey, well, we serviced you once you know, 15 years ago really well uh, and expect that to ride for the, for the, the rest of eternity. So there's consistency. And, and now just look at this formula. 
What if you consistently, we talked about exceeding expectations a little bit earlier. What if you consistently exceeded the expectations of your customer or client? What kind of, what kind of loyalty do you think you'd have? It would be unstoppable. Yeah. And people would tell others a lot more readily. Of course. Of course. And, and the great thing is, and the great thing is for those, for your listeners who are listening, any, any companies that are fortunate enough to service a female, a female customer base, they are so lucky because I jokingly say, but I believe it actually is somewhat true that men are genetically incapable of doing what women spontaneously do, which is women can break into a 30 second info or 30 minute infomercial with their girlfriends talking about everything from underwear to shoes, to hats, to glasses, to whatever spontaneously and give you your product or service a 30 minute infomercial just out of the grace of their hearts because that's the way they're wired. They're wired that way. And guys, guys, unless it's like, I don't know, maybe NASCAR or beer or sports or something, it's, it doesn't really happen. <laughs> right. Exactly. And one of the, my favorite sayings is that the best customer you can have is a happy customer with a big mouth. There you go. A happy customer with a big mouth. That's almost a poster waiting to be drawn. Absolutely. And the worst customer you can have is a really unhappy customer with a big mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. So make those customers happy. That's really great. Well, so let me ask you this, uh, David. How do you know when a brand should pivot and do a rebrand instead? Is it about whether they're profitable? Is it about when they're losing market share? Do companies sometimes panic too soon before the brand has a chance to take hold? Talk about that for a bit. Totally, totally. There's, there's a few. There's a few key things. So one is there's something that I call the noise level, and what I mean by noise level is that let's like the, I have different different uh, clients and different companies in different industries. If you were to, if you and I were to look at the energy industry, like people wanting to buy energy products, that's a very noisy level, right? Never yeah. noisy area. Lots of that. If you look at the breakfast cereal aisle, noisy, right? Yes. Lots of competition. But then you can take other places where they're like, for example, when Dyson, who recreated the, the, the Dyson vacuum cleaner, that was not a noisy category. Um, I mean, it was a noisy machines, the ones, but they, it was not right. a noisy category. But the, so the thing is, that's one thing is that the noise level changes. So, you know, cause up, because nothing stays stagnant. So what's going to happen is if when I started, like when Starbucks started, there were no there were no sort of gourmet specialty coffee shops. There weren't independents. There weren't all those things when they started some 30 plus years ago, but now it's a much noisier space. So the noise level changes. That's one criteria. Yeah. Right. And then there's another, it's like, let's say the technology changes, you know, like for example, like you and I are, are old enough to know, okay, we had albums when we were younger. Right. Yes. And then we had eight tracks and we had cassettes and then there were, then there was the CD revolution. There were compact discs and we were all like, that's the new world. And yes, now yes. it's evolved even farther. And, and these are technological changes. So then it was digital distribution and now it's not even digital distribution. Now it's just digital streaming. So the thing is, is technology changes. That's another reason why rebrands uh, can come about. You also have customer needs shift. For example, if you've been a business for, in business for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, you know what? Your customers are going to start dying fairly soon. You better work out a new strategy to uh, to appeal to a new generation. Yeah. You know those those are some examples. Yeah. Um, if you don't, if yeah. you don't adapt, you die. You got it. You got it. And so anyway, so Ellen and and I all I've also seen this is that there was a there was one company. It was probably the the company that was the oldest that I'd ever rebranded, and they were about 115 years old. Wow. And what was interesting was. 
in looking at it, I had to ask them. I, I said, I started having to look at this. And I said, you know, what, what did you sell back then? And they told me. And I said, good. And what do you, and what percentage of your business does that now represent? And they said, well, back then when we started, that particular service was represented 100% of our business. And now it only represents 10% of our business. And we haven't rebranded. So I said, in other words, 90% of your company is actually not even properly um, representing what your company is today. And they're like, oh my God. Wow. I love what you said about, and we've got, I think, a couple minutes to our next break. I love what you said about how when Starbucks started, there really wasn't a gourmet coffee industry. So really, we could say that they created their own category. How difficult is yeah. that to do? Well, it's it, it can be challenging, but you've got to be really attentive. You have to be super attentive and, and look at look at trends and find what is the unfulfilled need that people keep on talking about. And there, there's your opportunities. If you can really look at that, and it takes a real keen eye, what is, the un, what is that unfulfilled need that we keep hearing about? People note in tweets or note in social media or note in their answers in Amazon.com reviews of products. If we could see those and be perceptive enough, there's the opportunities to create a new category. Absolutely. I want to ask you, and I, after the break, I want to ask you about McDonald's. Uh, because they did went through a rebrand uh, about 20 years or so ago. They went from you deserve a break today to I'm loving it. I would love to explore um, why they rebranded and what they did and how it became successful. But I want to, because we have such a short amount of time left, I want to ask you, how do you manage expectations with a client? Cool. <laughs> oh, you want me to ask now? You want me to answer that yeah, now? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Um in terms of my clients, serving my clients, or just, or you're talking about your 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 listeners for them for their clients. Uh, either way. Okay. Well, I would say, you know, well, first of all, I I always like to find out what's what's the expectation level, what are they looking for, and how you know. Again, I'm always about never. I never want to meet expectations, and I never want to have my clients meet expectations. Always strive to outperform and just do it quietly, and then you become yeah. the then you become the superhero. Absolutely. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this has gone. My very special guest is David Breyer, one of the leading experts in the world at branding. We will come right back after the break and finish the show. Please stay with us. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. 
This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. It's Do you or someone you know have a tattoo? Tattoo comes from the Polynesian word tattoo, which means to tap or mark something. In 13th century China, tattooing was used to brand criminals. 19th century seafarers had their initials tattooed on their bodies for identification purposes. And tattooing has been used as a way of smuggling secret messages across enemy lines in times of war. Getting a tattoo looks pretty painful to me. What's the word for the fear of pain? Algophobia. Or feeling squicked, as they say in tattoo lingo. Maori women of New Zealand tattoo their faces to hide the lines of aging. Now there's an idea, ladies. What's the word for the fear of wrinkles? Ritophobia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio, and down the stretch we come. We are in our final segment, and David, I want to ask you about McDonald's and how they rebranded from You Deserve a Break Today to I'm Loving It. Why do you think they needed to rebrand, and how did they make that happen successfully? Well, I I feel like that the You Deserve a Break Today probably started to feel less authentic um, one was, I think that they had faced enough PR challenges with the quality of their food and supersizing it and this and that, the other that like, well, you deserve a break today. And people go, well, you know, like what, one step closer to a, to a heart attack. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> so mm, yes, so I, I think that, I think that it actually kind of sort of imploded on itself. It was kind of like the sneaky, the snake eating its own tail. And so the, the you know, the, I'm loving it. Um, felt like the voice of a the newer, younger generation, and you know, and and uh, you know, I mean, I've, I'm aware that they had actually rolled it out. I think, and I think it was rolled out in over a hundred countries. I mean, and it just and it communicated because that's one of the things when you have a global brand like that, you've got to be really, really sensitive. How does the stuff communicate and translate to other cultures? Because there are some historical disasters with certain words. Um, yeah. that sound great in, in over here in America that you export them all of a sudden they, they mean death or they mean stop or they mean failure or they mean very bad things. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, with the health kick in this country, I think McDonald's has been in particular has been a target uh, for their food, not being particularly healthy, at least the perception of that being true. Do you think a company like that is due for a rebrand once again? Um, it depends on what happens on the landscape. I mean, like, for example, you, you take something like Chipotle. I mean, Chipotle with their, with their uh, E. coli uh, outbreaks, you know, they, yeah. you know they, they, they had a series of them and that literally clobbered with it, with, within a short time. It clobbered their stock to being half of what it was in its peak. Yeah. Um, and, they still, and they still haven't recovered. So a lot of it depends. You know, I, I think they seem to be able to navigate, you know, with like they have the McCafe They've done a pretty good job with positioning themselves as being a provider of decent coffee, you know. So I and I know that, and I know this at the same time. You look at Starbucks and you look at 
other chains like Starbucks, and they've been trying to get into the food sector. So all of a sudden, everyone starts, you know, do you remember at the beginning of the show, I talked about cliches are the enemy of branding, right? Yes. You don't want to do a cliche. So the thing is, what's been happening is, you know, Starbucks has been trying to add the food component and McDonald's has been trying to add the coffee component. And so I think they're they're always they're always in a very competitive battlefield. And um, will they will they be ready for a rebrand? I mean, it seems to be holding pretty well, but I but I think they're they're always tweaking. That I yeah. can tell you. Yeah, absolutely. So give us a success story of maybe your favorite success story of a client that you worked with. And if you're not allowed to name names, that's totally fine. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you one that I just it's just uh, astonishing how successful it was. And it was just a, a great example it proved to me and my and the client how powerful branding is so here's what happened so now for those that don't know uh i am a major i'm a, I'm a coffee aficionado and i'm a and i'm a gourmet a really good quality handmade chocolate aficionado i love those those are just my vices and yeah. so what happens is that we we happen to be where we are um not far from one of america's probably in the top three or four top chocolatiers in the US. Astounding, astounding uh, truffles. So what happens is, is the owner is kind of like for, you know, he for 10 months, he's going back and forth, he'd stop by to my office and says, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of what, you know, should I brand, should, should I rebrand, should I not rebrand, should I rebrand? And he's like, oh, I think I've kind of maxed out how much, because his sales had plateaued. He'd seen some, he'd seen good growth, and but his sales had plateaued, and he goes, you know, I'm thinking maybe lowering my price. I said, why would you lower your price? Because I can tell you that foodies don't care about your price, and not only that, but then you're going to forfeit margin, and then you're going to complain about that, and it's not that's not a way for growth. That's a way to maybe see a little spike. And he goes, he's he's really kind of irked at all this. And I said, look, I know where I know how to get you there. So here's what happens. I study the competitors. I study the competitors and I look at what they're doing. Now, when I was in New York, I did branding for Revlon and Estee Lauder. I saw what the cosmetic industries do. Their, their whole method of design and branding is have an aura of everything but communicate nothing. And so as long as you could touch it and feel it and go, ooh, ah, ah, then they felt it was successful. So the whole thing, the gourmet uh, chocolatiers were following the same path. So I looked at what they did, and I, that was one bucket of observation. Now a second bucket was, at the same time, there's these foodie magazines that foodies love. And there's the Food Network, and there's celebrity chefs are coming into vogue. I said, yeah. that's interesting. We, as foodies, we love great information about how to do something better, how to get the finest fig, how to buy, get the best oil, whatever. So I go, these are two conflicting things. And then there's a third fact, which is that in America, if anything is made to look European or sound European, it will actually be perceived as more valuable and people will buy it from fashion to cars to food. It always is true. Wow. And and so what happened was I took those three observations and I designed a brand new box I with a slight European flavor in terms of design. And instead of having it say nothing on the outside of the box, I actually made it so that the box had all kinds of great, interesting little bits of chocolate trivia in it. And then and the box was just beautiful, gorgeous and, and fantastic. Now, what happens is it's put on the back display and it's in the middle of the summer in June. He puts it on the back display. Now, get this. 
There's not a single flavor, new flavor. There's no change in prices. There's no new sexy people standing in the, in the front, you know, selling more product. There's no change of hours, no new signage, nothing changed. The only thing that was different was, it was a, a, they had their boutique shop and they had these boxes on the back, on the back of the uh, display. So at the end of the month, I go to the owner and I say, so Mike, how did it go? And he told me, David, we sold 300% increase with three times the amount of truffles this month than we sell in a normal month from the same people that routinely would just go there every day to have their, to have their coffee, to have their chocolates, to have their scones, to have their baked goods. 300% spike in one month. In 30 days, that's what happened. No other change was done. Wow. And it's because you redesigned the box. Redesigned the box that all one, the box gave them all this cool information and yeah. it actually made the contents look amazing. And at the same time, it now is actually giftable. Prior to that, Ooh. the box was not giftable. It looked really, it was a, as a degrade, even though the amazing chocolates still were in that box, the outside let down, betrayed what was inside of it. So it didn't even look like you were giving somebody, anybody anything of value. Mm. What an interesting idea. That That is so creative. I love that very much. Let me ask you this. How does someone know if they need to hire an expert to hire to do this kind of thing for them? Because I think a lot of people are in the do-it-yourself mode with varying levels of success. But someone like right. yourself can turn things around pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, the basic thing is, is are they, you know, first of all, if, they, if they've been struggling at it for a while and they haven't gotten the traction that they need to, well, then it's like they, they need a fresh pair of eyes. That's one of the things that I go over with any clients. It's like my, one of my, besides the other talents and disciplines that are brought to the table, the, one of the biggest things is that I, I have an external pair of eyes. I will ask the question such as, tell me why I should give a damn. Or after you've actually gone ahead and told me all the reasons why you think that this is important, I'll say, you know what? None of those matter. I'm the truth bringer. I bring the truth. And, and sometimes they go, really? And they kind of, they kind of almost kind of cringe a little bit. Like, really? I say, yeah, what you just told me is what every one of your competitors is saying. It doesn't matter. And so they need those external eyes to help them navigate through the landmine of mistakes that they would otherwise make. Wow. That's, that's absolutely crazy. I, I love that. So you're pretty selective in who you work with. Um, how, I think we've got probably about three minutes or so to the end. Uh, tell us how we can get a hold of you and perhaps uh, join your tribe and learn more about what you do. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, I mean, I definitely would invite all of your listeners to, you should just go to risingabovethenoise.com. That's rising, R-I-S-I-N-G, risingabovethenoise.com. And if they just scroll to the bottom, they'll see that there's a, they can get a free Lucky Brand ebook that I wrote. And, it's, and I kept it intentionally super simple. And that will actually subscribe them to our blog. They can join. We have like 5,000 subscribers around the world. Um, and so they basically should just join that. And they, there's so much information. And they'll get a great bit of insight into what branding can do. And it's, it's an incredibly powerful thing. If you know, what's the difference? I almost, I spoke to someone yesterday and they'll give you a perfect example. What's the difference? If I give, why is it that I can give this person to my left a hundred thousand dollars and give this person to my right a hundred thousand dollars. And one of them is going to be a major success. And the other one is going to be on bum row in, uh, in six months. 
because they don't know how to leverage those assets. And that's the difference between availing yourself of an expert versus trying to do it by yourself. Okay. And it's riseabovethenoise.com. Did we get that right? Rising, R-I-S-I-N-G, risingabovethenoise.com. Perfect. The question I ask everyone at the end, David, who inspires and motivates you? Oh, the entrepreneurs and the artists who stay true to their vision, those that really, really inspire. I mean, everyone from everyone from Martin Luther King to Steve Jobs to Richard Branson. I love the, the, the movers, the shakers, the ones that say, you know what? That's not good enough. Let's shake things up. Yeah, absolutely. Any final words of wisdom you'd like to share with us in our final minute or so? Just remember, just what I said at the beginning is that rules enable you to follow. Knowledge enables you to lead. Look at the world. Keep your eyes open. Connect the dots that others miss. And just life's a party, man. And I personally hope that everyone takes part in it. Absolutely. Anybody that that you feel has, has been particularly influential to you in your journey? Well, there was the, there was that designer who totally changed my the trajectory of my of my career. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's no longer with us, but I mean, he you know he was he was that, and of course, there is my wife. And given that tomorrow's Valentine's Day, I'm just telling you right now, she is my rock. <laughs> That's fantastic, David. Thank you so much for being with us. It was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern where I interview world-class experts and learn how they succeeded, what they overcame, and how we can apply those lessons to our own lives and our own businesses. I hope you join us again next week as I interview another world-class expert. And until then, I hope you have a fantastic week. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful evening. And wherever you are, make it great. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Good night, everyone. part of success profiles radio with your host brian k wright each week we'll explore different aspects of success and how